Well, I wasn't raised in church like a lot of our pastors. Brent, Clayton, and Witty, they were all raised in church. A little known fact, that was Witty when he was four years old. And it's... Okay, I can wait. No, not actually true. But I wasn't raised in church. And so that meant my first church experience was a little weird, and to be honest, it was completely awkward. I was invited to a high school youth group, and I showed up, I didn't know what to wear, I didn't know where to go, I didn't know anything, how to speak, what we were even doing there. I didn't know any of it, and it was awkward, and they didn't help out. And so upon my entry, the first thing they did was divide us into three teams for an Olympic-style competition. Let me tell you what these teams were. We had the cool church kids, then we had the not-so-cool church kids, and then everybody else, the outcasts and the new kids. And this group was comprised of kids who never broke eye contact with the ground, the girl who dressed like a mime and hadn't spoken since seventh grade, the goth kid who the church didn't have any idea what to do with, I'm only here because my dad made me, and a bunch of guys who really loved professional wrestling. Like, really loved professional wrestling. And don't get me wrong, I'm not judging these people. It's not like I was cool either. Look at all that glorious hair, though. <laughs> Definitely not a cool kid. So I'm not judging them, but my experience there, I was made to feel like the least, like I was less, like I mattered less. See, our job was to lose to the cool church kids. That's what we were there to do. And it never feels good to feel like the least, like you're less than. Have you ever felt like the least? Maybe in your family, with people that still treat you like you're a child even though you're a grown-up. Maybe in your relationship with a spouse or a partner who speaks to you in an unacceptable way. Maybe at your work with a boss who yells and screams and demands too much and makes you feel like the least. Well, none of us want to feel like the least. Nobody wants to feel that way. So how do we respond? We try to make ourselves great. We try to make ourselves great. We try to have the kind of success that stands out and distinguishes us from everybody else. I call this success to impress. We strive for success to impress, to find our greatness. For some of us, it's in wealth. We seek wealth. We think, if I make enough money, and if I can buy the house I want, if I can buy the cars I want, if I can buy the cool stuff that I want and show it off, then I will be great. But how much money is enough? And what do you have to compromise to get there? Others of us, we choose the family or relationship route to be great. We think if I can marry the right person, or if my kids would be perfect, then I will be great. And we try our best, and maybe your social media photos look right, but we know that behind the scenes, it's not reality. Others of us think power or popularity or fame is going to be our ticket to greatness. 
and we want everyone to like us. We want everyone to know who we are. If people just knew who I was, I'd be great. We want the likes, the comments, the shares, the subscriptions. And when we don't get them, it continues to make us feel like the least and maybe even worse. Some of us choose morality. If I do enough charity work, if I go to church enough, if I put enough bumper stickers on my car or enough inspirational messages on Facebook, then people will see that I'm great and I'm religious. But a lot of times that wears us out and exhausts us and can make us meaner than even when we started going to church. We all want to be great. We all want to thrive. We want to be truly happy. But success to impress is not the way to get there. And some of y'all may be thinking as you look at me right now, like, well, I don't know, John. If I was rich and powerful and popular and famous, I'll bet you I'd be pretty happy. Well, that may not be the case. There's a joke that the senior pastor of Willow Creek Community Church, Bill Hybels, tells, and it's a good one. What do you call a billionaire who's on the cover of magazines, who's on his third marriage, whose kids hate his guts? A success. We call them a success. But that skewed definition of success, I think we might see that those folks might not be as happy as they appear. Take a look at our celebrities who, even though they have fame, power, status, wealth, all of those things, they still may not be happy. I know that I was heartbroken when I heard that Chris Pratt and his wife Anna Ferris separated. They seem like such a great couple. Super couple like Jay-Z and Beyonce, they have everything. So why do I hear of their marital troubles splashed on the front of every magazine and the checkout line? Kevin Hart, a comedian who makes us laugh, recently had the dark corners of his private life exposed for all to see on social media, and I don't think he liked it. Justin Bieber, globally renowned superstar, recently had to cancel tour dates because of emotional stress and his own personal insecurity. And the most tragic of all, two great musicians, Chester Bennington and Chris Cornell, committed suicide. Even though these folks have success to impress, it may not be the thing that makes us great. It may not be the thing that makes us happy. So do you feel like you're great? Or do you feel like you're the least? Well, wherever you are, I know one thing. Everybody wants to thrive, and everybody wants to be truly happy. That's something we all want. So how can we thrive and find true happiness? Well, that's why we're doing this Thrive series where we're talking about how to live an abundant life and how Jesus told us to do that. Now, Jesus talks about two kinds of life, the abundant life and the eternal life. I'm going to spend most of today talking about the abundant life. But he also talks about the eternal life as well. But Jesus, in that abundant life, created a new definition of greatness and what it means to be great. Now, last week, Pastor Clayton had an amazing message about salt and light. And part of the context of what he was talking about was who Jesus was talking to in this message. Who he was talking to was not a group of powerful, elite, wealthy Romans in the Roman Empire. He was talking to the least. He was talking to nobodies. He was talking to the poor and the marginalized. These people would have considered themselves the least and been considered the least by society. That's who he's addressing. 
And this is what he says. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is changing what it means to be great in front of an audience of the least. He doesn't say you have to strive for the success that impresses. You don't have to be one of these rich, powerful people to be great. That's not what it's about. He's redefining success. He's redefining greatness. It's no longer success to impress. And so this is what Jesus said. The path to greatness is obedience. The path to greatness is obedience to God. That's what Jesus is telling us. That's how we thrive and find true happiness in this life, obedience. But there's a problem. See, you can be technically obedient without a changed heart. And that's the story of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were these great religious leaders. They would have been seen great in their day. They memorized the first five books of the Bible by heart. They created hundreds of laws and commands for which to follow. They fasted twice a week. These were great religious people. But the burden of their laws and the demands that they placed on the people, they were too much even for the Pharisees. So what did they do? They started creating loopholes. The Pharisees created loopholes where something's technically legal, but it violates the intention. This is about the letter of the law versus the heart of the law. Let me explain what I'm talking about. The other night, before dinner, my six-year-old comes to me and asks, hey, Daddy, can I have some candy? And I was like, no, you can't have candy. You can't have dessert before dinner. So I walk out of the room, and I come back, and he's eating a big bowl of goldfish. And I say, Walter, I told you you couldn't eat before dinner. What are you doing? And he goes, Daddy, you said I couldn't have dessert before dinner. I'm having a snack. <laughs> That's a loophole. <laughs> and we all laugh, but what are the loopholes in your relationship with God? Where are you not obeying his commands and finding loopholes for your own personal comfort? See, fulfilling the letter of the law does not mean fulfilling the heart of the law. Those are two very different things. And obedience isn't about finding loopholes because it's too hard. Obedience is the law written on your heart. Obedience is the law written on your heart. That's kind of a churchy term, so let me tell you what I mean. Obedience is where God's word changes your heart so that you follow him joyously and naturally. It's not about checking boxes. It's not about following rules. It is the law written on your heart. It's obedience to the heart of the law, the heart of the law in your heart. That's what he's talking about here. See, the path to greatness is obedience, and obedience is about a change in your heart. And that change in your heart, that's what's going to allow you to live the life that you want to live. 
So Jesus has spoken a lot about abundant life, but he turns the tables and starts talking about eternal life in Matthew 5.20, and this is what he said. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the Pharisees, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, that can sound kind of scary because we just got finished talking about how righteous these guys were. And maybe if you grew up in church, somebody lorded these verses over you to tell you that you weren't good enough. And what Jesus is talking about is important. He is saying you're not good enough, but he's not saying it because you're gonna fall short. He's saying it because you need him. You need him. You cannot earn your way to heaven. See, obedience is not about eternal life. Obedience is about abundant life. Obedience is not about eternal life. It's about abundant life. See, eternal life is about one thing and one thing only, faith. Nobody here is good enough to earn it. The Pharisees weren't good enough to earn it. You cannot earn your way to heaven. But here's what we believe at City Church. All you have to do is believe. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter who you think you are, all you have to do is believe and you can find that eternal life. It's that simple. Now, abundant life where we thrive and find true happiness, that is about obedience, but eternal life is about faith. It's a change from the inside out. And that's what we're celebrating today with baptism. A bunch of people who have been changed from the inside out. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward change brought about by faith in Jesus. And not only are we celebrating the eternal life of those being baptized, we're celebrating the abundant life because if you're being baptized, you're obeying what God has asked us to do. We're celebrating that today. And guess what? It's not too late. A lot of y'all signed up and that's great, but for some of you, you didn't sign up, you might not have known this was happening, but don't let that get in the way of getting baptized. God is speaking to you, God is saying something, tugging on your heartstrings, saying now's the time. Now's the time to get baptized. It's time for you to make a public declaration of your faith. Again, if that's you, don't get in the way. We have t-shirts, we have shorts, we have towels, we have everything you need to get baptized. Don't let logistics stop you from being obedient to God and celebrating with us today. I want you to be a part of this because it's gonna be a good celebration. Let me give you some encouragement. If you're being baptized today, you are joining a 2,000-year-old tradition, unbroken from the time of Jesus and John the Baptist, of billions of people, billions of followers of Christ have done this in every race, creed, color, country, and continent. You are joining a fraternity for eternity. This is a group of people who through all these years have done exactly what you've done for the same reasons you're doing it. Man, welcome to the family. And I know for some of you, today is a celebration. For all of us, today is a celebration. It's a spiritual birthday party. But for many of you, the celebration may come at a great cost. Maybe your friends and family don't quite get this Jesus thing yet. 
Maybe you left a religious tradition who looks down upon you because they don't understand why you're doing what you're doing. Or maybe you're disappointing your sweet abuela who doesn't understand why you're doing this again when it happened when you were a child. Maybe you're doing that, maybe that's hard for you, but I wanna encourage you to. See, I've said some good things, but let me tell you what God says about you. Let me tell you what God says about this day. When Jesus got baptized, this is what the scripture says. The heavens opened up and God said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. That's not just about Jesus, that's about you. And that's about you, and that's about you. You are my dearly loved son, my dearly loved daughter, who brings me, the God of the universe, the one who created all of this, the one who sent Jesus to die for our sins, the greatest power this planet and eternity has ever seen, you bring him great joy. You do, and don't you ever forget that. You bring him great joy with what you're doing today. So for some of you, you didn't plan on it. For some of you, you've been planning on this for a long time and your family's here. But I'm gonna dismiss you in a moment. If you're out there in the video cafe, I'm gonna ask you to come to the auditorium lobby, just like I'm gonna ask everybody to do. But when I stand these folks up to dismiss them, I'm gonna need you guys to do something. I'm gonna need you guys to celebrate. This is a spiritual birthday party and nobody likes a party pooper. Don't be the person who sits on their hands. When I stand these people up and dismiss them, I want you to give them a round of applause, a round of applause that would make the NBA final seventh game blush. That's what I'm talking about. So for those of you being baptized, whether you planned it or not, please stand. You are dismissed. You can head to the lobby. Head out into that lobby and y'all are about to see something special. Let me give you a hint, watch the faces. Watch the faces and try not to see the life change, you can't do it. But if you're still here, I have something I'm asking of you. Now for some of you, you got invited here and you came because you were being polite. Or maybe some of you are checking out church and not sure about this God thing, but you just happen to end up here today. And some of you literally got dragged here against your will. Some of you are here and you don't know what to do about this God thing. And I'm, I'm gonna level with you right now. This is weird. I'm surrounded by two tubs full of water that grown adults and children are both going to voluntarily get in and be held under the water and brought back up again while all wearing the same t-shirt. That's weird. 
But if you didn't grow up in church and you don't know what this tradition's about, I understand, I identify, this might feel weird to you. But I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to keep coming. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep searching for this God because I know one thing for sure. You are not here by accident. You are here for a reason. Now for some of you, you go to church elsewhere. You've been trying to get back in the church. You're church shopping. Or maybe you're a city church person that comes here no matter what's happening every single week. You've already been baptized, right? You've had that inward change. You found eternal life and you're working on abundant life. Well, this is what I'm asking for you. Stop checking the boxes. Let's find the heart of true obedience. What does that mean to have our heart change? The heart, not the rules. The heart, not the rules. What part of Jesus' teaching are you struggling with? What are the barriers to you living the life you want? What are the barriers to you thriving and being obedient? And for some of you today, it's time to take a risk. For years, months, weeks, or days, God has been telling you to do something. And I want to ask you to obey no matter how crazy it sounds. Have the faith to obey and take that risk. For some of you, you've been going to church for a long time, reading your Bible, heard a bunch of sermons, listen to worship music, go to every small group, spend every night of the week you can at the church, but your barrier to obedience is forgiveness. There's someone in your life that you need to forgive. There's someone in your life that you need to forgive, and until you forgive that person, you cannot be truly obedient to God. For others of you, you're just trying to figure this church thing out, and it's hard, and you're struggling. But I want to say, make a commitment to God. Show up every week to church. Even if it's not this church, go somewhere. Read your Bible. Pray. Meditate. Commit to God. It is worth it, and you will be obedient. Let me pray. Father, I'm so thankful for all that's happening today. God, I'm thankful for the folks that know you and have already been baptized. God, thank you that those people are here, God. But I pray that you give them the courage to take the risk. Give them the courage to forgive. God, stand with them and remind them that you are with them no matter what you're asking them to do. And for our people that are just trying to get closer to you, they've taken the first steps, they've been baptized, God, I pray that you give them the endurance for commitment to show up and look for you in everywhere in their lives. God, for those folks that are seeking, that don't know you, God, I pray that they know that this is a safe place, a place where you are always welcome no matter where you are in your spiritual journey. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep looking for the truth because again, if that's you today, you're not here by accident. And Father, I pray especially for the folks that are about to get baptized, God, who are making this public declaration of their faith in you. Please be with them. Please bless them. Please allow them to go through the week and see you so clearly. And let this be a day they always remember where you opened up the heavens and looked down on them and said, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter who brings me great joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.